Hello and welcome to the ETOF21 Sports Podcast for May 21st. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF21. On Instagram, everything sports bet, betting relating at ETOF21 Sports underscore. And also free daily horse racing picks at ETOF21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing. And for fantasy football at ETOF21 Sports underscore fantasy. Fantasy football is going to start to be pumped out slowly as we enter that time of the year. Can we believe it's already May? Summer is here, people, and we have a great show for you today. Unfortunately, my boy, USFL Jim, could not be here today because he had a work conflict. So before we jump into everything, I just wanted to mention the bets for USFL. Those who don't know, we have been absolutely murdering the USFL, and let's hope we can get hot, stay hot, and continue it. In the first game of the USFL, we have the Tampa Bay Bandits against the Stars. Stars are getting two and a half over under a 40 money line plus 125. I myself, I'm only going to do one play. I am going to go on the over here of 40. Jim, on the other hand, Jim is going to take the stars. He got the stars plus three. He got the stars plus 125 and the over of 40. So Jim and I are both on the over 40 in the USFL. Next game on Saturday, it is the Michigan Panthers against the Birmingham Stallions. I'm going to be on the the Panthers here and so is Jim. We're going to be on them at six and a half. The over under is 37 and a half. We're both, actually, I'm not touching anything with the over under here. Jim is going to take the over 37 and a half. Now we're on to Sunday. Sunday we have the Maulers getting eight against the New Orleans Breakers. Over under is 36. I'm going to be honest, guys. I am going to completely pass on this game. I want nothing to do with this game. This is a complete pass for me. Jim, on the other hand, he's gonna lay the he's gonna take the Mullers plus the eight, and then he's gonna take the under. Um, yeah, I just can't I can't do anything in that game. Last game, I am definitely gonna be involved, and it seems like Jim and I have a disagreement. Jim is gonna be on the under 39 and taking the generals minus the seven. I am going to be on the Houston Gramblers plus the seven. With no action on the total. Now, before we jump into this podcast today, and don't get me wrong, we have a great podcast. We have my boy Dylan, DC sports guy, coming on. We're going to talk a little NBA. We're going to talk about what's going on in the playoffs, the lottery draft that happened. Also, Gino's going to come on. My boy Gino's going to come on. He's going to tell you how to bet the Preakness. And Brandon's going to come on. We're going to talk a little bit about the NASCAR race. It's an all-star race, but you know... Brandon and I like to bet on NASCAR, so we're still going to have NASCAR bets to lock in and everything. Now, before we jump into all that, I need to talk a little bit. Uncle Eric needs to talk a little bit. Old Uncle Rico about same-game parlays. Same-game parlays are just the worst bet in sports to me. I hate them. You see these guys posting same-game parlays where four things, four things need to happen to hit something where you're getting less ROI than if you just do a parlay, that's two things. So you need four things to fucking happen in sports, which is just 
astronomically hard to do to get a parlay that pays less than a two-team normal parlay, which I'm sorry, if you're doing that, it just speaks volumes to me. Anyone that does the same game parlays are just idiots in my eyes. Idiots, and they don't know what the absolute hell they are doing. And now, let me reference this point. So let's let's go back. Let's do a same game parlay. I am bringing up same game parlay. Let's do the Golden State Warriors hosting the Mavericks. So let's let's do this. Let's do we'll take the Mavericks plus 6 player points. We will go Luka over 31 and a half. And we'll do player rebounds. Let's go with Wiggins. Same game parlay. We're looking at plus 479. Now let's bring up our free parlay calculator over at Vegas Insider. Mavericks plus 6 are minus 106. Luka over 31.5 is minus 114. Wiggins over 5.5 rebounds is minus 110. Plug that into the calculator. That comes out to plus 596. So you are getting plus 100 odds less than you should get for the true value of that parlay. And that, my friends, is why you should never, ever, ever do same game parlays. I don't care if they win. You're getting less odds. It's a dumbass bet. And you're limiting your money production. I don't care that it won. It Gambling is all about numbers. And if you don't understand that, I'm sorry. You don't get it. You'll never get it. And you're being stubborn. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. And that's why you see these guys who are legitimately big boy gamblers that know what they're doing that don't do same game parlays. If you do a same game parlay, you're basically falling for worse odds at the sports book. And you're really showing to me that you have no idea what the hell you're doing. Another thing, playing a bad number. Let's look at the situation. I'm seeing people touting the fact they they put out the Celtics at minus one. Celtics money line, even money. Celtics, game one, Hortford and Smart expected to play. The line was minus one, minus two heat. They didn't play. You know, it bloomed up. I believe heat minus four and a half. Then it opened up. The the Celtics were getting, were getting plus three and a half with the assumption that Smart was a game time decision and that Hortford wasn't going to play. When it was announced that Hortford was going to play, it dropped all the way down to two. Then pretty much it was a pick em or a minus one for the Heat. You have So then you have all these people touting, oh, Celtics money line, Celtics pl- mi- minus plus one. Well, look, that's a bad number. You played a bad number. And in my eyes, you're chasing the bet. Did the bet win? Yeah, I don't care. You want to bet at a bad number. Sometimes it's happened. But to be long-term successful in sports betting, you have to make sure you bet the right number, not chase. And I'm sorry, if you didn't get the Celtics at the four, at the three and a half last night, like we did, for those that listened to me on the BTV live stream, I'm sorry, you did not get the best number. And since you didn't get the best number, and since you are now touting out that you win it, I'm sorry. That really shows me how clueless you actually are in this big bet of sports betting, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, long-term, you won't make it. You look at me last night. I gave out one parlay plus 525 odds under one and a half in both hockey games last night, 
it hit. That's a parlay. That's a legit parlay that people will do and make money on. Not this, I need four things in the same game parlay to happen. When people do that, you're telling me you don't know what you are doing. And when you tell me you don't know what you're doing, you're telling me you are an unsuccessful sports better. I've been in this game for a while. If I'm coming off a dick here, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I'm coming off a dick here, but I know what I'm doing and I'm here to help you guys. That's why all my DMs are open and I love talking sports betting for people. Like I said, we have a great show for you today. Let's jump right into it. The first thing we're going to talk about is my boy Dylan. He's going to come on and we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs and the NBA draft lottery. So we've reached that time of the podcast where Dylan is going to come on, going to talk some NBA. Dylan, it's been a while. How are you doing? Yeah, it certainly has. Thank you for having me on again. How's everything doing? Everything good in the hood? Yeah, everything's good. Um, you know, summer's kind of kicking off now, so everything seems to be um, – I seem to be kind of more free, so it's just it's just nice to be around. Okay. All right. So the before we dive into the playoffs, we're going to talk about, you know, the draft lottery and everything. That was the big thing that happened um, on Tuesday. So – you know, just kind of looking at everything here, the Orlando Magic, you know, obviously have to come away as the big winners winning the lotto. Um, is there any team that you kind of feel, how can I say this, got the short end of the stick? Yeah, I mean, honestly, Orlando might be the winner, but they honestly might be the loser because I think there's really like three to four guys in this draft that all could go number one. Like you've got Jaden Ivey, you've got Jabari Smith, Paul Bancaro, Chet Holmgren. And they're the ones that kind of have to be like, okay, who's the best out of these? And I don't really know if there's necessarily a best one. I think it's almost like a 1A, 1B, 1C type of situation. So I think, honestly, I'd much rather be Oklahoma City or Houston where it's like, okay, whoever falls to me falls to me. But Orlando has to make that tough decision of who they think is going to be the best. Now, you mentioned Oklahoma City. Do you feel it's a bad look for the league having Oklahoma City basically – just was this the fifth year in a row they've tanked and moving up to two in the lotto. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. It's just because I feel like they're starting to collect some talent with Shay and Josh Giddy, who they landed in last year's draft. Giddy seems to be really, really good and a lot better than most people think or thought at the time. So I think maybe give it a few more years before it becomes a, a bad look because they're only in like year two or three after they got rid of Chris Paul and Al Horford. What? See, I think they have to make the playoffs next year. I really do because I think Gildress Alexander, I think he's legit. Like you you, you touched on Giddy. Um, I think they need to start trading some of these young pieces, get some, you know, get some people around it. One of the rumors I'm hearing is they may make a push for Aiton. Do you think Aiton, if they add Aiton, Aiton, Giddy, um, Gildress Alexander, do you think those three could make the playoffs? I think they could certainly make the play, and I don't know how much about or if they could necessarily make the playoffs because I think the West is very tough. Like, if they were in the East, I'd say it's a lot more likely. But, um, yeah, I could definitely see it. I think Aiton would provide something that they really haven't had in a true, like um, – rim protected and a and a great like offensive center now let's um now did any team like i mean i, I was a little disappointed i thought my pistons I, I was hoping they could be in the top three 
get one of those three guys that you mentioned, but, you know, picking at five, you know, it's kind of like a mystery what's going to be on the board. Cause like you said, mm-hmm. there's no, like, I felt like last year was pretty clear cut. Cade was number one, yeah. but this year I feel there's no clear cut number one. So let's jump right into it with the first pick. You have the magic selecting. I have them taking a Chet Holmgren in my latest mock draft, which you go find on my Instagram at DC underscore sports guy. Um, I think they go Chet Holmgren just because I've, I've heard and I'm not sure what Mo Bamba's contract situation is like, but I've heard they were I heard they were shopping him last season and were kind of um, looking to move on from him. So I think Holmgren reuniting him with Jalen Suggs, his high school teammate, would be a very interesting combination. And I think um, Holmgren's versatility is something that is going to draw a lot of interest from a lot of the teams picking at the top. Now, the Thunder at two. Uh, I th- I think the Thunder are going to go with Paulo Bancaro, the forward from Duke. He just seems to be like the seems to have the highest floor out of any of these top guys, in my opinion, just because of his size and his ability to um, create his own shot. Those are two things that I really look into players. If you can't create your own shot as like a top five or six pick, I really don't think you belong there. And Bancaro can certainly do that, and that's he's probably the best at it in the entire draft. Number three, the Houston number, Rockets. Number three for the Rockets, I have them going to Jabari Smith, my personal favorite player in the class. Smith can just shoot over everyone. And he's drawing comparisons to KD. And putting him on a line, in a lineup with Jalen Green would be an absolutely lethal shooting competition. Uh, plus plus they have the um, – I'm spacing on his name – the Turkish dude. Yeah, Shingun. Yeah, I like that dude. Um I was a big fan of his coming into the draft last year, and he had a great summer league, but um, he didn't get get a lot of run like early on in the year. So, and then they have John Wall, the Rockets. Rockets could be a little interesting, an interesting team moving forward. Um, oh yeah. The next, the Kings. This is kind of an interesting pick here for the Kings because they made they they traded Heilberg to the um, to the Kings, got Sabonis. Uh, they have Fox. What What are the Kings going to do it for? This is a tough spot. I think they just go best player available, and I know it would be an almost logjam at uh, the guard spot, but I think it, they have to go with Jaden Ivey if he falls to four. Ivey's an incredibly explosive uh, athlete, and he could play on ball or off ball, so I think that provides a lot of versatility for them in their lineup, which is something they really don't have because I feel like Mitchell needs to be on ball, and I think um, – De'Aaron Fox needs to be on ball. So having a guy that could do a little bit of both would be huge for them. Now, the last pick we'll do is my Pistons at five. Utter disappointment here in the fifth hole. I, with how your board has, has dropped, I know who I would want them to pick. Who, who do you think they're going to pick? I think they go with A.J. Griffin, the, the shooting guard, small forward from uh, Duke. I mean, if this guy didn't have his knee problems and supposedly his knee his knee's gonna come out clean or most likely his his knee's gonna um come out clean because of he played last year, obviously. So he was like one of the most highly regarded recruits coming out of his class. And I saw a lot that a lot to like from him. So if I'm if I'm a Pistons fan, I would be very happy taking him at five just because he's arguably the best shooter in the class and not not only that 
he's a ridiculous athlete and a very good defender. Now, for me, and I agree with everything you're saying, but the need just kind of worries me. And we're kind of getting anyone that any prospect, and don't get me wrong, I agree with you. I think Griffin's good. I think he can make in this league, but that knee worries me. And I kind of think of Michael Porter, yeah. you know, like just that constant back. I kind of want the Pistons to take Murray, the kid from Iowa. What do, Iowa, what do you think of him? Yeah, I think he's got a good offensive game. I mean, I'm not I'm not huge on him just because I feel like a lot of his shots that he took when he was in college, they were almost kind of contested. Mm-hmm. So I feel like um, he's going to have to learn how to, like, use his first step to his advantage or, like, try and create more space when he's in the NBA. And I feel like he had a bit of a problem with that in the, uh, at college. But other than that, I think he's a great scorer. He can, um, he's a good rim protector as well. Very athletic for a, a modern day four. Um, so now let's transition to the, um, to the NBA game two is tonight. We're taping this on Thursday. It'll be the podcast will come out tomorrow, tomorrow before the uh, game two, before the, uh, Mavs and Warriors. But I, I want to show you this. I didn't know if you've seen this yet. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's talking about Jimmy Butler. And I just just want to show you this real quick before uh, before we break off into the um, into our discussion. And please tell me what you think. There's new evidence saying that Jimmy Butler might be Michael Jordan's long lost abandoned son. And this has to be the craziest NBA conspiracy we've ever seen. So follow and let's go. The story states that Jimmy Butler was raised by his birth mom till the age of 13. He says that his mother had threw him out for not liking how he looked. So Jimmy ended up crashing at a few different friends' house until one of their mothers finally took him in. But here's where the connection lies. Michael Jordan is said to have an abandoned son. And Jimmy Butler's dad is said to have abandoned him at birth. His mother even stated that his father left him to his name. And a new recent report claims that MJ had stepped out of his marriage to have this abandoned child with a different woman. And in fear of sabotaging his family, he left that woman and paid her off for the next 13 years. And now this is where the two stories line up. Jimmy Butler's mom recently revealed the real reason that she kicked him out was because the payments she was receiving stopped coming in. And reminder again, Jimmy was kicked out at the age 13. And just look at their pictures side by side. These two are eerily similar. But again, this is just a theory. So let us know what you think and follow All Hill Be Ball for more. Wow. Yeah. Wow, well, I was right. <laughs> that that would be some theory. I mean, I I kind of want it to be true and I think it would make a lot of sense like from the evidence that he pointed out and like also for the fact that Jimmy's a fantastic ball player. Like I mean, it would make sense. <laughs> it's just kind of like and here's my thing, don't get me wrong, like you said, Butler, you know, Butler's Butler. He's, you know, he's he's tough. But he's he's kind of a pain in the ass, man. You know, like Mm-hmm. Um, and I really feel like he's at one of the few teams that he can strive in just because we saw it like with the 76ers, the 76ers like picked Tobias Harris over him because he was less of a pain in the ass. Um, when he hurt himself, they shifted him off to uh, LA to do rehab. They didn't even want him in the building doing rehab. I just think Butler's able to be in Miami doing his thing just because Spolstra just doesn't take any of his shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I also think that he has to be somewhere where he's going to be the alpha and he's going to be the lead voice in the, in the locker room. He he can't have like someone contesting him because I feel like his leadership style can't have that or allow yeah. that. So let's talk about 
this series. What are your thoughts between the the Heat and the Celtics? And obviously, you know, the Celtics have some stuff going on. I'm I'm told Smart is going to go tonight. Hortford, we don't really know. I'm hearing he's vaccinated, but then he's out because of COVID protocols. COVID protocols are a lot more lax now than they were. So I really, I don't know what's going on with Hortford. Smart, I think he's going to go tonight from what I'm hearing. What What do you think about um, the series and the game tonight? Yeah, um, th- this series is really just going to come down to the wire. I think it's just going to come go to game seven. And I really think that these te- two teams are pretty evenly matched. But I think Boston's um, firepower and their star power will kind of end up out, end out on top. For tonight's game, I'm still going to go with I think Miami wins because it just seems to be a, uh, a trend of the home team kind of just blows out the away team for the last couple of playoff games. Like last night, you had the Warriors just absolutely dominate the Mavericks. And I think when the Mavericks go back home, I think it'll be a different story. So I just I can definitely see um, Miami winning again tonight. Yeah, it's just that defense. If Miami's able to play the defense they played in the third quarter for the whole game, it's, you know what I mean? That defense was absolutely insane. But then on the flip side, you have to wonder, is that because Smart wasn't there? You know what I mean? Like, I think so. I mean, they had, they had Tatum bringing up the ball a lot of times and he had the ball on his hand. They almost feel like too much. Mm-hmm. And that kind of really hurt the team. So I think if having having smart back will be huge for them. And I think it'll be a closer game, but I, I don't think that it'll show up until um, they go back home in Boston. Now, on the flip side of that, um, the Heat don't have Lowry. I think that's a big thing. Butler had an un, un, uncanny performance, but the guy that played kind of like, oh, wow, look at you, was Gabe Vincent. Mm-hmm. Gabe Vincent, 17 points out of nowhere. The Heat, they just had, they just kind of have it. You know what I mean? They have these random dudes that come out of nowhere, and their player development is just is just so good with everything they do. So I think this is a defensive system, two defensive battles, and it just comes down to, t- to whatever role players, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Pritchard versus Max Struess, Gabe Vincent and Deadman. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. whichever like eight, like seven, eight, nine players play well, I think this team's going to win the series. And I think you're right. I think it's a pure, pure coin, coin flip at this point. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with what you said about the role players. Um, it's funny. You see how like a lot of the Boston like first round picks over the last how many years went back when they were collecting first round picks and kind of uh, hoarding them. You had guys like, uh, Romeo Langford, who's not even on the team anymore. You've got Aaron Neesmith, who barely sees any running. When he does, he doesn't really do much. Peyton Pritchard seems seems to have worked out, and I think that was a great pick for Boston. Uh, I don't remember if that was a first or second round pick, but he he's a good bench player. But other than that, I mean, it, it's absolutely absurd to see how many first round picks they kind of just threw away. And you see Miami just got grab guys practically off the street and play better than those guys. Now. Coaching wise, who do you think has a coaching advantage? I would definitely say Spolstra just because of the experience, but Udoka is one of my favorite coaches in the entire league. I think he makes great adjustments and it it really just has to go to the experience in, in my belief. 
Now, I just, I don't know. Like, I think this is like, like you said, I think your how you broke it down was great. I think it's going to come down to the end. It's going to probably come down to a, a last bucket. And this game is just going to be an overall, just a great adjustment of, um, of two coaches. Now let's shift our attention to the game that happened last night, the Mavericks against the Suns. What was your initial reaction after that beatdown last night? Yeah, it was just a lot of the role players just weren't hitting for the Mavericks. Like, I don't know if that Warriors necessarily played fantastic. Other than, I mean, Curry was unbelievable for some stretches of the game. Um, the Mavericks uh, role guys just weren't hitting their shots, and Luka was just completely off. So I don't expect that to happen for game two. I think it'll be closer. But I think the Warriors will end up coming out on top this series. And you mentioned the Mavericks role players. Let's just let's so we can truly appreciate what Luke is doing. Let's just kind of look at the players that got minutes for them. Dwight Powell is Powell going to be getting any minutes for the Golden State Warriors? Absolutely not. Uh, Finney Smith. I I could see Finney Smith. I like but him he, as a player. But he wouldn't be starting. He'd be oh, like, oh no, you know yeah, what I mean? He'd be getting like fifteen to twenty minutes, maybe. Um. Jalen Brunson, I mean, he'd probably be behind Poole. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a loaded backcourt. So, yeah, um, he, he would have trouble getting on the court as well. Bullock? Bullock's Bullock, not not see, Bullock would not see a second. He, I, I'm from a, a form, uh, Knicks fan. Bullock is just I, – I don't get the hype with him. Like, he's a good defender, and he's just an average three-point shooter. Like, I don't – he's too inconsistent. Okay. Um. Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie can see the same some minutes. He get, he get a couple. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what? Like 15, 15 yeah. a game. Um, Keebler, nothing. Hmm. Burton's, nothing. Nobody on this team besides Finney Smith and Dinwiddie is going to get any minutes on this Warriors team. The fact Luka has this team in the Eastern Conference Finals truly speaks to how special this this young guy is yeah i really think and i've been saying this for a while he's kind of like the european jordan i mean i think he'll end up being or go down as the greatest european player of all time and arguably i think he could be a top 10 player of all time in the nba now on the flip side of that i really now i'm interested to hear your opinion i felt with how the suns played with the pick and roll and well, not even pick and roll. It was just pick and mid-range shot. Kind of played into everything that the Mavericks like to do defensively. With the Warriors and their motion and their constant cutting to the basket, I think it would kind of, especially the cutting of the basket because the, the Mavericks don't have any rim protection, I think it kind of exposes the few holes that the Mavs have in their defense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, any way to tire Luka out, it helps the opposing team immensely. So running around the three-point line, having having Luca have to really um, exhaust himself on both ends is huge. And I feel like that, like you said, that kind of exposed their defense. Now, another thing is the Mavericks are going to have to do something to make Curry work on defense. What the Warriors were doing was just putting basically Curry on Bullock and Bullock just stands in the corner. He's Bullock's not going to post up. That's not in his game. Um, he's just a corner 
spot up shooter and they're putting Curry on him. So that way Curry didn't have to work in the, on defense. Do you think kid realizes that and puts Dimwitty in the starting lineup or has Dimwitty get more run that way Curry is forced to work a little bit on defense? What do you think the adjustment that can be made by the Mavericks to expose what Curry can't do defensively? Yeah, I think they'll put Dinwiddie in a lot more just because I feel like he's starting to become more uh, confident on the offensive end, and I think that's huge just because um, Brunson provides so so many opportunities for them when Lucas doesn't have the ball in his hands. So now that Dinwiddie kind of has that going for him too, I think they'll look to go with Dinwiddie over Brunson for the rest of the series. Okay. Now – the Warriors look great, and I really feel that one of the key pieces they have that isn't being talked about enough is Wiggins. Wiggins is able to come on, lock down Luka, and, I mean, they start off the game like Green was on him, Wiggins was on him, um, Clay was on him a little bit. They did a box and one. They were just giving him so many different looks. Where was that from the Suns and Monte Williams? I, I don't know. I don't think they have as many good perimeter defenders as the Warriors have. I mean, other than I think Mikhail Bridges, who probably gives the best look for Doncic. I mean, they have Jay Crowder, but Crowder got in foul trouble quite a bit last series. Um, yeah, I mean, they don't really have the bodies that the Warriors do, and the Warriors' depth is something that really has gotten them to this point. Even after losing a guy like Gary Payton, who was arguably one of their better defenders and would have probably been the best matchup for a Luka Doncic, they're fine without him. And it just goes to show you how great of a front office that is in Golden State. Now, let's look at Golden State's roster. You just mentioned it. We'll look at players that are getting minutes. I'm going to say their name. You tell me if this player would be a role player or would be starting for the Mavericks. You just mentioned Gary Payne Jr. Would he be a role player or would he be starting if he was on the Mavericks? I think he'd be a role player, but I think he'd be one of the first few off the bench. Looney. Looney would definitely be starting. Wiggins. Wiggins would be starting. Poole. Poole would be starting. Porter. I'm going to go with, like, one of the first guys off the bench, kind of like Gary Payton. Um, and then... You know, the other, even the young guys, I feel Moody would definitely be getting run. I feel, oh, yeah. um, what, Kamunga? Yeah, Kamunga. I think Kamunga would probably probably start on most most teams. I mean, it's I, just their roster is built so much better than the Mavericks. And Ooh. that's why I think, now don't get me wrong, I, I have Dallas 20 to 1 to win it all. But, I just think the depth is just going to be too much. And at the end of the day, the Warriors are going to be the team advancing. Yeah, because I agree with you. And just because, like, if Luke is not hitting his shots, you can't be like, okay, let's go to this, this, and this guy. It's almost like, all right, if Luke is not hitting, Brunson has to hit and doing what he has to hit. If none of those guys are hitting, the game's over. The Warriors, it's like, okay, Curry's not hitting. Oh, we got Thompson. If Thompson's not hitting, we've got Poole. Poole's not hitting, we've got Andrew Wiggins. Like, it's just like... And they just—they have so many options. Their motion is just so good. They get—they started doing it in Memphis. They had everybody motion, cutting, going to the basket. I don't know. Like, it's just really going to exploit 
Dallas's lack of rim protection. And that's my one knock on Monty Williams. And I know there's like Aiden feels disrespected because he's not getting the contract and, you know, there's beef between them. You have a seven foot rim finisher in Aiden. Why wasn't, weren't the Suns using the pick and roll with him more? Cause that was completely wide open. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Aiden. Um, he just kind of looked like him, though. You know what I mean? Like, that's the one I'm not the biggest fan of his either. But I guess my point is he can finish at the rim. Yeah. But you know like, I, mean? I feel like he's just a little soft. Like, for a guy that's that big, I kind of saw him get dominated on the boards quite a bit this postseason. So it's just kind of like, you know, like for a guy that's seven foot, like, use that strength, use that body. I and mean, he, he certainly can. He's shown the ability that he can finish at the rim. But it's almost kind of a want-to thing for me. So you're saying he plays like he's 6'8", like Brooke Lopez does? Yes. <laughs> so I mean, he, like... loves, he loves the mid-range shots, too. Aiden, Aiden loves taking those mid-range shots instead of, all right, give me the ball on, on the block. Let me go back this guy down and hit a six-foot hook over him. And I really kind of feel like it's the Warriors to lose just because, like, like the Mavericks, they really don't have that rim protector. And Giannis is out. You know, if yeah, I felt if the Bucks would have got through, you know, Giannis could have exploited what what Golden State lacks defensively. But when you look on the other side of the bracket, um, you know, the Heat have Bam, but it's not like Bam thrives in the post. He's more of a pick and roll pop guy. He doesn't really mm-hmm. go down low that much. Um, and the Celtics, I mean, you have Robert Williams, but he gets most of his action when in a pick and roll or when brown tatum smart whoever drive there's help and then he gets the oop there there's really like not a post presence that can take advantage of what the warriors lack is there yeah i don't really think so i'm with you on that i mean like the warriors too are like a great team they they're great at switching on defense so i feel like since none of those guys in the eastern side kind of have like that true like seven footer that they, they're not going to be able to take advantage of the Warriors' um, s- smaller lineups. Okay. So, like, right now, what is your finals prediction? I think I think it's going to be Warriors, and I think it's going to be the Heat. I think the Heat come out on top um, just because of the experience, kind of like how I mentioned with, um, with Spolstra. And I think the Warriors are going to take it all. I think the Warriors are just going to pr- prove to be too much to whoever comes out of the East. Now, if Tatum and Brown don't get to the finals this year, will they be labeled as not being able? You know what I mean? As a whatever. Yeah. like Because you think about it, this team has been to the final conference finals. Was this two out of the last three years? They're constantly one of the top seeds in the Eastern Conference, but they have yet to get to a finals. Yeah, Are I they think they're labeled as, as like underperformers in the playoffs. So they don't get there this year. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of tough just because I know that um, they're two of probably maybe possibly the best duo in the entire NBA right now. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of feels like that roster is still incomplete to me because I feel like they're lacking like the true okay, you got a guy, kick it out to him, and he's going to knock down a three. Like, Grant Williams is good. I mean, Pritchard's been up and down. But other than that, like, I feel like they're they're kind of like a six to seven guy rotation. And that's something that a playoff team or a finals team 
can't have. They have to have at least go eight or nine deep. Okay. All right. Dylan, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your um, Thursday morning to come on and talk a little NBA. You have some great content coming out. You gave draft grades for everybody. You're doing your mock draft and everything. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Yeah, thanks again for having me on, Eric. Um, you could follow me at DC underscore sports guy on Instagram. I also have a Twitter account, which I've been a lot more active on. Um, it's at DC underscore sports guy three. So make sure you guys follow that. Okay, guys, make sure you give Dylan a call. Dylan a call. Sorry, Dylan a follow. He'll be coming on a lot more as we are transitioning to NFL preseason and everything coming on. Until later, my friend. All right, thank you. See you. Guys, that was Dylan. Make sure you give my boy Dylan a follow. Great dude. Comes on, drops knowledge. Instagram, DC underscore sports guy. Give him a follow. And on Twitter, DC underscore underscore sports guy three. Give him a follow. Lots of good content coming out. He posts mock draft, gives draft grades, everything. If you're not following him, you're really missing out on some good information. Now, let's have my boy Gino come on and let's talk a little preakness. He made a couple of my friends... Some listeners, some money last time he came on with he how he told you how to bet the Kentucky Derby. So he's coming back for the second leg, the Preakness. My boy, Gino, what is up, my man? How you doing, dude? Not a, yeah, sometimes not, sometimes um, it's not always about who, it's about how, right? You can be yeah. wrong, but maybe just have the, the right approach. That's one thing that you and I, why we got, we get along. Um, I think we try to find the best value that we can every time, right? We're not taking big numbers or we're not laying huge, huge um, juice on things. We're trying to find the best value. And and I, I didn't have the winner in any way, but I think a lot of people might've been able to capitalize if they liked the horses underneath, right? Oh, so my Alexa's going off. Alexa, stop. That's a little weird. Yeah. Little, a little impromptu. It Google, was kind of my funny. Google, my Google gets a little wild every now and then. It was kind of funny. Like the first time I went on your your show, I was at my desk. I had all this stuff going out. Like I was ready to go. We were in it. I was given some breakdown and my Alexa just started going off and it went shut down. <laughs> um, and I'm so, sitting there going, who is this show? <laughs> Gee. Uh, um, so this is my question. Like how you told everyone to play this year, excuse me, the Kentucky Derby this year. As you said, if you like the horse, you played them to win and then everyone underneath and then vice versa. You played yeah. everybody and then your horse, um, the horse you like, uh, your number one friend, fan in the world, Coach Dan. Danny you know, Boy. That, that's what that's what Danny Boy did. And, uh, boy. you know, and Danny Boy. Did. Danny boy, you know, you paid for his Florida vacation. So, you know, again, he tells me, thank you. He's still in, I think, yeah, the son of a bitch. He's still in Florida right now, you know, cause he has a little well, break from work. Drinks um, on Dan sometime and, uh, soon. Jeez. Sometimes. So um, here's the, here's the list right now. Only nine, only nine horses. Yep. Um, Short field. No, and we, no derby winner. No derby winner. Yeah. He's so not running. is with how you, advise people to play the derby would you advise them to play the preakness in the same way no a little bit different because the derby is a race where there's just a lot more chaos it's like um it's a it's a tournament where you know it's like the first couple days of march madness versus what happens deeper into march madness 
like once you get into the elite eight and the final fours, usually the better teams win, right? The the form holds truer there. I think it's sort of the same thing with the with the Preakness and the Belmont because just in a regular race, there are a lot less crazy variables. The difference between a field of nine and a field of 20 is stark, right? In a field of 20, right off the bat, half these horses are in trouble. They're bumping around. They're not where they want to be. They get stuck behind a horse. They get shuffled. In the field of nine, for the most part, everybody should be able to like place themselves where they want. Now, how is it going to set up? I think there are a couple speed horses in here, but there probably are three or four horses on paper that I don't think really have a, a very strong chance to win this race. And I'd be pretty surprised if they were to win. So let's just go down the field right now. Like you said, only nine. Simplification, six to one. What group is he in for you? Is he in, he can win it or nah? It's funny because when we talked in the Kentucky Derby, I liked Mo Donegal, who was the number one. I promise if you're someone who's watching this and you don't know me, I promise I don't just stop at the one. With uh, with my picks, it's not like a thing. But he he to me feels like the the horse in this race that's the most fun to bet to win if he is five to one or over. Okay. So the difference between horse racing and and other sports is like on offshore counts and stuff. You could probably lock in six to one, or if you're playing with the exchange. But if if the pools open up and he's less than six to one, you're gonna get whatever he goes off at. My value line for him would be five. If he was five to one or over, I think that's a great price for a horse in here who just makes the most sense. I said there are probably three or four horses that I'm immediately going to eliminate. I just don't think they're good enough to compete. And then I'm I'm looking at Epicenter, and we'll talk about him in a minute. Like I'm never going to bet a horse like Epicenter. That's just not the way that I play. Like ever. Yeah. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah, you use him in your pick fours or play him in your exactas and stuff. But I'll never come on here and tell you to bet the six to five favorite in a race. That's just, I will never do that. And it's, I would never suggest to do that. So I don't like the Philly. We'll talk about her again in a minute. If you want secret oath, I don't like the spot for her, which is sort of funny. I liked her in the Kentucky Oaks a lot. I, I liked her and Ness. They were sort of my top two and nostalgic. I had them in a lot of, uh, in most of my exotics, but um, so I, when I'm looking at the horses who feel like they're going to get a really good trip, that they're battle tested. The thing about the Preakness is it's a two week turnaround. A lot yeah. of, um, it's, it's very rare that most horses in this day and age run back in two weeks after they just raced. Usually three weeks, a month, five weeks, six weeks between races, two months, sometimes even more. Nowadays, the, the, the horses are a little bit more fragile than they've been before. W- what's nice about simplification is he ran He's already run five times this year and he has run in every one of the big prep races down in Florida. He ran in the Mucho Macho Man. He ran in the Holy Bull. He won the Mucho Macho Man. He was second in the Holy Bull. He was he won the Fountain of Youth. He was third in the Florida Derby and he was fourth in the Kentucky Derby. He ran really well in the Derby. He had a good trip. Wasn't quite as good as the top few, but he ran very, very well. And in a smaller field, I can just see him from the inside sitting like fourth, saving all the ground. You've got like early voting. You've got Armaniac in front of him and Epicenter, and he's just right behind them, and he gets a really good trip. And if he's good enough, 
I think he's going to loom up at the top of the lane and we'll know. And if he's five to one, he's worth it. Maybe he's not quite as good as Epicenter, but you're going to get a lot better of a price on him than you would on Epicenter. I, I think he, to me, I, I'm stacking him as the second most likely winner of the race. And so if his price is going to be better than that. So he's the horse to me that I target that looks like the most exciting horse to, to dive into and to, and to bet to win in this race. Now, you mentioned the horse that I was kind of liking, and I'm interested in your take. Early voting. Is he's, he he's, like... Yeah, he's got a huge shot. He's got a, a legitimate shot to win. He will be... I think the way that like I'm playing this race is it looks like you've got four horses that are going to be sort of the ones that take a lot of the money, right? We got Epicenter, you've got Early Voting, Secret Oath, and then Simplification. I think it's going to yeah. be those four that will be all like five to one ish and below. And then everyone else will probably be 10 or 12 to one and above. So if you're playing any sort of exotics, trif exactas, trifectas, supers, if you're playing pick threes and pick fours and stuff like that, you probably don't want to just use all four of them, right? There's probably going to, I think you pick and choose of that group. Who do you like the most? Who are you going to sort of take stands against? In early voting, I'm fine with. Completely fine with early voting. He's probably the fastest horse in the field. He should get the lead. He's really, really nice. And what's cool about him, they planned for this race all along. Yeah, They chose to run in this race and not go in the Kentucky Derby. And I will tell you this right now, he would not have won the Kentucky Derby the way that that race was. Cause he is a fast horse early and they were going really fast early. It was not going to set up for him. So now while all these other horses are coming back quickly, he's fresh. He hasn't run since April the 9th. He lost to Mo Donegal who I liked in the Derby. Mo Donegal ran fifth. It wasn't as if Mo Donegal ran bad in the Derby. So he proved that he sort of, he fits from his class. He fits with the rest of this group. You know, he kind of stacks up really well with them. So uh, I have no problems with him. I wouldn't want to take lower than where he is right now. Three and a half to one, seven to two, that's fine. I wouldn't want to take like th five to two on him if he started getting bet. So five to two would be no, the line. no dice. Yeah, five that'd be about the line. Three to one and over, I'm good with uh, I'm good with early voting. So basically, because I'm a pick five, I'm a pick four, pick six player. Yep. You're telling me... I'm better off between simplification, secret oath, early voting, and epicenter to take a stand against one, maybe two of them. I say you pick two to three of that group and then maybe one price if you're going to play this race. Or, you know, like, because I, I, that the way that I'm going to do it is I like to, you know, if I set myself up, I'm always going to have a race or two where I'm not using any of the favorites. There's always going to be that yeah. race in my sequence. Yeah. That's just the way I'm going to build my tickets and stuff. So in this race, I'm okay with playing, you know, probably your A, B, C, or your two. I'm, I'm okay with playing a couple of the short prices. And then the one of the, the next tier of horses, that would be the next one that we could talk about is Creative Minister, the two. If we're just moving down the line, he would be the, the most intriguing of the the price horses for me that I actually think might be able to win this race because he's, he's only raced three times. 
in each of um, from start one to start two, start two to start three, he showed a lot of improvement. And if he just takes a little step forward, a little step up yeah. based on his speed figures, he's progressing. If he continues to progress again, he's uh, another horse who, well, he did run a couple weeks ago and he was really impressive. It's not like you were running in the Derby. It's a little bit different. So I'm of the, that next tier of horses beyond the horses that are, you know, going to be shorter than 10 to one. I think he does actually have a legitimate chance to win. And then beyond him, you know, I, I don't think the other horses in here can win the race. Maybe we could get an underneath from one of them, but like Fenwick is the third is number three. He's 50 to one in this race. I, I can't, I just can't make a case for him. He has one race that was okay. And that was on a racetrack at Tampa where it was, it was kind of funky. Flat. It was sealed and it was wet yeah. and it was, and he, he ran a big race that day. Other than that, he's not run anything that would be close to competing with this group. Now you mentioned you don't like secret oath here. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? No, of course I can. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no, no. Next question. No, not at all. Get out of here. Yeah. Um. So I liked her a lot in the Oaks. She's a really nice yeah. filly. The problem um, with this particular filly facing the boys. Now she faced the boys in the Arkansas Derby. She ran really well. She ran third in that race and she had legitimate trouble in that race. If you better, you were probably frustrated because she very easily could have won that race. Mm-hmm. What concerns me about her is some of the fillies that we've seen when they faced the boys over the last that you can think of in recent memory, like Rachel Alexandra was one uh, Swiss skydiver was one a few years ago who won the Preakness and she beat the boys. Yeah. What they have that's a little bit different than Secret Oath, their running style, they're just a little bit faster early. They show more early speed. They're horses that are going to be either on the lead or sitting close. So they can kind of take it to you. And they're a little bit more dominant with just their style. Secret Oath is more of a closer. She's like a mid-pack runner to a closer. So not only is she going to need to improve a little bit on her speed figures she's gonna have to get a she's gonna have to get a trip like things are gonna have to unfold pretty well for her not get in traffic and then she's gonna have to pass all of the other really nice horses that might be getting the jump on her and she's gonna have to do that in a quick turnaround she also just ran two weeks ago she ran the day before all of these horses ran in the the kentucky derby so if she had an advantage maybe because she didn't run in that race or she had a little bit more time. If there were more advantages for her coming into this race, then I would think so. But I'm actually a little concerned that she's going to be an underlay. She's nine to two on the morning line. I wouldn't be shocked if she and early voting sort of flipped a little bit or like secret oath ends up being like three to one, you know, and then maybe simplifications five and early votings like four. They're, they're a little closer to each other, but I'm just a little bit worried with. Do you think Secret Oath should be one of the? I'll use big four that you can toss. Yeah, um, I, I, I mean, she, she, she can win this race. She, I mean, she's good enough to win the race, but I think she's just too, she's too short of a price for what she should be in this spot with all of those factors that might be going against her. I honestly think she should probably be like eight or ten to one in this race, yeah. and if she were then I'd be a lot more interested in her like Swiss skydiver. She floated way up 
in her race. A lot of people kind of got cold on her and I think it might be the other way because this isn't the deepest Preakness like we were saying. Um, There are four or five horses that I I think a lot of people aren't really going to worry about betting. So I feel like she's a filly. She faces the boys. A lot of times you just get that that excited money because people want to bet the girl against the boys. You know, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. It's a cool story. I'm worried she'll be shorter than what her actual chances of winning this race are. Now let's like happy Jack, you know, Skippy long stocking. I can't get to happy Jack. Um, yeah, get there. Skippy. If you're playing a trifecta or a super, I wouldn't talk you off of throwing Skippy long stocking underneath the horse isn't, like, if you're just looking at his last race, he was third behind Mo Donegal in early voting. And mm-hmm. in the race, Mo Donegal went inside and Skippy Longstocking had to sort of move to the outside. And, and they just, you know, he couldn't really move with that one. And he might have just lost to two horses that were a little bit better that day. But if they go fast early, he could pick up some pieces at a big price underneath. So I wouldn't talk you off using him in... Uh, maybe two, three, and four spots, but I, I probably wouldn't have him to win or or on a pick four or pick five. So he underneath, like, yeah. in, the, in your supers and tries. Yep. Um, now it brings us to Epicenter. Now let's just go through, someone brought this up to me, and I think it may have been a tweet that I read this. Imagine having the horse that finished second only, and the horse that beat him in the Derby was a last second replacement. I know. I mean, you just talk about just a yeah, dude. Brutal. That's brutal. Like, like I, I, I feel like I, can, I feel. I can tell you on my show because when I recorded all my stuff for the Derby, he wasn't in the yeah. field, and it wasn't like he was a horse that people would have been excited to talk about if he were to get in the field. He did not get mentioned one time on any one of my shows, and on any show that I went on, I did not get asked about him one time, and. So, and to be honest, had he run in this race, I, the reason I would have, I would have liked to see him in this race as a fan of racing. It's always cool. You want to see the Derby winner and the Preakness and stuff, but I was ready to line up to bet against him. He's going to take way more money than he should. Where if he shows up again, personally, I don't know if he's going to run again myself. I, I I wouldn't be surprised. I I wouldn't be surprised if he ever runs again. So I don't think you will just because anytime if he runs again and doesn't run well, every time he runs, he becomes less valuable. Yeah, this is going to be what his peak stud is. Absolutely. So it doesn't make sense for him to run again. Um, speaking of Dan, he just sent me a text message. Text message is this. Ask Gino if Rich Strike was on the juice. See, I don't – the people. I heard some people say that. The only thing is – this is a guy who's trained a lot of horses and run a lot yeah. of horses and he doesn't win big races ever. So yeah, he saved the juice for that one time, that one day he got away. Yeah. You know what I mean? You I know, don't, yeah. It, it's not like there's not a pattern of this being one of those types of guys. That's the thing, right? There, there are big, it, certain- it just a freaky thing that happened. It was in the way the race was, it, it fell apart, right? If you yeah. watch his ride, he could have been, like horse, that's what's hard about the Derby is that if you watch the ride, you can tell immediately he wasn't there. Everything went perfect for this horse. He was ducking yeah. in and out and moving here and there. Like that was just everything coming together. A fantastic ride from a horse 
they went too fast. The op- He moved through the opening. Epicenter moved a tad early. It was all just the perfect storm. And I, I mean, I don't, like I said, whatever Rich Strike were to be in this race, or if he uh, does show up in the Belmont, it's going to be way shorter than what he can, what he could actually win that race at. So I, I was, I was hoping he was going to be in here and be like, I don't know, six or eight to one. And I would have yeah. loved, he would have taken a good amount of money and I definitely wouldn't have been, been using him elsewhere. Um, let's see, where are we down to? What early but voting? You, yeah. But at the end of the day, like you and I agree, like he's not. No, he's not a good, yeah, he's, he's not a top tier horse in this group of three-year-olds yet. He's a, he was developing and it was like right place, right time. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. we see this. But in you don't think we're going to see him ever again. I'd, I, I'd be surprised if he ran into Belmont. I would, because okay. I just think, I don't think he, if he think he becomes less and less valuable for um, a group of people who don't, haven't had a whole lot of horses that are, that are like this caliber ever. So yeah. this could be a really big opportunity for a horse like this to, you know, for them to get, a, a, for them to make a lot of money. Now we're at the six to five favorite epicenter. Um, what with the the distance of the preakness and everything do you think this kind of plays into his factor or do you think he's at this price just because of he did finish second like what what do you think about this is this his race he's, to lose he's the best 3 year old so far this year i mean he's been all year long he won the uh, he was second in lecompte he won the risen star he won the louisiana derby he was second in the kentucky derby if you would have asked me after the louisiana derby when he won that and then people sort of placed him he's going to be one of the top few horses you know no matter what he's going to be in the top tier i would have said of all of the triple crown races i think he would be best suited and most likely to do to run really really well in the preakness just the way that his running style is he's got speed but he can sit off a little bit if he has to uh he can pass horses Preakness sometimes, like an early move is good. Like we saw what he was able to do in the Derby where he was about five or six lengths back and then he kind of early moved to get right up into contention and he sort of push button. I think they can sort of have multiple gears with him where it's like, let's sit, let's ask him, let's move into this position, let's wait, let's ask him again and move into that position. A lot of horses aren't like that. And he's special. Yeah, I think the Belmont might have been a little too far for him. Generally, the Preakness is the race for the best horse in the group to kind of prove that they're the best horse in the group because it's not as big of a field and they're they're able to get out of trouble. And he should be either – I don't think he gets the lead in here. I think early voting goes to the lead. Or Maniac will try to go to the lead. I don't know if he's even fast enough to get close to the top few, but – he can't be in this race trying to close Armaniac. So Armaniac has to be in this race to be close. I'm projecting Epicenter to be sitting third behind those two, early voting, Armaniac, then Epicenter sitting third, and then maybe simplification to the inside, like right there with him kind of. I think if I were riding simplification, I would try to sit a little bit behind Epicenter and like move when he moves try to kind of play it and like when he goes try to go and and go by him you know kind of ride the race like looking at him okay which brings me to my next question for you um 
it wouldn't be the field versus epicenter. The field at minus 131, epicenter at even money. That's good. That's a good one. Um, the line's pretty accurate there, to be honest. I, I In situations like that, I'd still, in a horse race, I'd still take the field always because in any horse race, there are 10 different ways this horse could either run great and lose or he could get out of the gate. Something bad could yeah. happen right at the start. And then something freaky could happen. Something weird. You drop the jock. Like there are just variables yeah. in horse racing that is one of the reasons why you don't want to always bet short prices. So in a situation yeah. like this, where it's the field against epicenter, where he is no doubt the most likely winner of the race, I would still take the field because too many, too many things could happen to him where like maybe he gets caught up a little too fast because they think, Hey, like, he's the best horse. Let's go put him right on the lead or like, let's have him sit really close. Cause we don't want him to get in trouble. And then maybe they bat, he battles three wide all the way. And just what happens in the Derby, someone comes late and just gets them, you know? So I would still lean the field there. Now you're talking these two before based on what you said before, there is definitely value here. Secret oath and early voting both at both at minus minus one fifteen. early voting for me. Um, he, your simplification, huge favorite here, minus one sixty versus Creative Minister. No, See, real like value I'd rather there. just play. Yeah, I'd rather just play simplification at five or six to one to win. You know, than uh, than in, than in a head than in a matchup like that where you're you're laying money. Um, Skippy against yeah. Oh, Armanic. for sure, I like that one. Armanic, yeah, Skippy, I like because Skippy will pass horses. Armanic is gonna get. I just can't envision a way he wins this race. He's not fast enough to get in front of the other fast horses and he's not going to pass and close with the better closer. So I just, I don't see it for him. If, if it happens, it's going to be a way that I can't envision. It'll be, yeah, it'll be a freaky thing. Kind of yeah. like what happened with Rich Stray. Uh yeah. Happy Jack plus 108 against Skippy minus 140. I mean, I'd like Skippy there. I'd, I wouldn't I probably want to lean that. Nah, nah, yeah. I wouldn't want to lean that. I mean, I'd, I'd lean Skippy, but it's just it's it's about right where it should be. It doesn't seem like there's any value there. Uh, Fenric plus one thirteen, Happy Jack minus one forty five. Yeah, I mean, I'd steal clear of that one. Those two horses yeah. could both be way way out of it. Yeah. Uh, you probably see value oh, here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Plus one seventeen, Secret Oath minus one fifty. That's the one I would dive into the most because this would be the one you like the best. This would be the one seen. to hammer because simp- the thing about simplification is he may not be as good as Epicenter. He might not. He might just be a cut below him, but he is really honest. He is gonna show up. He's going to battle. He's had to deal with trouble. He's shown that he can run and run well in different ways. And and that's the type of horse that I want right now. I think he is one of the, you know, top five to six horses in this group of three-year-olds right now. And it, this feels like a great spot for simplification. And I'm a little cold on secret oath. So yeah, I like that one. Definitely. Simplification at another price plus 125 against. I mean, I'd leave, I'd, I don't mind this one, but I like the, the secret oath one more because I'm just cooler on secret oath. And I, I like, I can see early voting winning this race. So that that one I don't like as much as the I prefer the uh, the 
the plus 117, which is just slightly less against a horse that I like a lot less, like Secret Oath. Uh, Creative Minister, minus 165. Armonic, plus yeah, 129. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to, I don't need to lay that much, but definitely I wouldn't be on the Armanic side. I'd lean more Creative Minister. Um, I wouldn't lay the 250 with early voting. I mean, these two horses could be bat. Like, there are versions of this race where they're up front in the top two or three battling it out. Yeah. So, I, I don't. Yeah, because this yeah, is the last one. Epicenter yeah. minus two fifty early voting plus one eight nine ninety seven. So based secret oath that one based on what you said, that is the one that the people listening yeah. or watching right now. That's the one you need to be hammering. Is the simplification over the um, the secret oath matchup? Head secret to head. oath. Um, Gino, thanks for coming on. I mean, this happy is what, to do it, buddy. I mean, dude, like, Anytime. you know, you had golf today, NBA, probably a million horse streaming. Yeah. Plus, you're on Louisiana these are, now. These are fun I, days. Yeah. Today, I think we started. I did uh, basketball. We did some basketball in the morning, uh, golf. As you mentioned, Louisiana, Preakness stuff for Pimlico Friday and for Saturday. And uh, yeah, kick, uh, getting into the Louisiana stuff Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I'm the voice that you hear before and after each race. So I give some of my analysis. I talk about what the board looks like, who's a good bet, why we should play them. And then after the race, I talk about horses to uh, maybe to play back next time. Some horses that got in trouble, um, you know, look ahead stuff. So um, yeah, a lot, a lot of fun doing really, really well out there. And uh, it's always grass and dirt racing, usually just seven races on the card. And pretty quick in between. So if you ever need a little help and you're looking for a track to play, you can follow me on social media. I usually post videos there with uh, with all my plays throughout the day. Or you can just turn on the track feed for LAD and you'll see me sitting on the couch right here. I'm And pretty soon you're going to be on TikTok. You're going to be doing Instagram live stuff. I know. You know We're all over pretty, the place. Pretty soon you're going to be over there. So make sure you give Gino a follow uh, at Gino B on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. Yep. On, uh, that's it on Twitter. And yep. then um, Instagram, you are at G Bacola. G- yep. Yeah. G Bacola. That's what G said. Podcast anywhere you yep. download. Eric's on with me every week talking basketball, football, uh, whatever's important going on in sports. And yeah, only a, only a few more weeks of basketball left now. I know. I know it's, yeah. it's creeping up, but you know, we have the NFL coming up, so yeah. you know, there's money being made. Thanks for coming on my man. Uh, we will talk tomorrow because your podcast comes out on friday morning right yep yep we'll talk yep. nba we'll uh be able to look at what went on with game one of both of the series and maybe how we want to attack uh game two of both the eastern and western conference finals i'm looking forward to it, man i definitely see some future value yeah i will talk to you soon my friend i'd like to thank gino for coming on guys make sure you follow him on twitter and on instagram gino is a phenomenal dude i remember it just seems like yesterday he hit me up to come on his podcast. We talked a little XFL and, you know, the rest has been history. So make sure you follow him at It's Me, Gino B on Twitter and on Instagram. Make sure you give him a follow on Gino Bacal. His name is just Gino Bacal. So make sure you give him a follow. Great guy, knows his stuff. Exceptional at what he does. I'd like to thank him for letting me go on his podcast on a weekly basis. And also, getting me in at BTV, which has led to all this live streaming and all this audio stuff I do. So make sure you give Gino a follow. Now let's jump in to some NASCAR. It's Friday. You know what that means. Brandon is coming on the podcast to 
talk some NASCAR. But before we do that, I have to give the Celtics props. A feels so good to hear that, guys. So you know, they advanced, they won. We had a bet, and I don't know what's going on. Like, um, I can't find bush light to save my life. Like, I literally have gone to two places here, and they have no bush light. I'd say if there's a NASCAR race around you this weekend, that's why it's gone. But um, so what's what's going to be your choice then? Where, where I have you? McConaughey's finest wild turkey in this lovely Ohio State shot glass. God. So this is, you know what? I'm going to toast to Marcus Smart because he's the only dude on your team I like. Okay. You while, while you're cheers, cheersing to that, I will cheers to a complete stomping of the Miami Heat last night, which will carry on tomorrow night, and we will get through to the championship. It might go six. It may go seven. But Boston will be in the finals, most likely against Golden State. Cheers. To Marcus Smart. Wow. It's been – man, that's been a long time. Well, don't make bets with me, my man. There's a reason I come dude, on here and do this with you. Dude, dude, you were tight. Dude, you had to be tight, dude. I was, but I'm just going to take this moment, cherish it, save this recording, rewatch it every couple weeks. So, I mean, if you want to play that card, did you play that? Did you bet Jason Tatum points over yesterday? So, time out. Don't know. See, <laughs> so I had, I had Jason Tatum. I had one of those group uh, prop bets yeah. over 28 and a half points, over five and or six and a half rebounds and over six and a half assists mm-hmm. at like 22 to one. I dropped a chunk on that. And then I had over just five and a half assists and they pulled them what late in the third. And I don't think he came back out on the court. Yeah. He, I mean, like I, I had the Celtics, my three bets in that game were Celtics, I got him at plus three and a half. I got him earlier in the day. Um, I had Butler point total under. Dude, guy just went off in the fourth quarter, scored 14. And then I faded um, I faded Vincent. Yeah, dude, he had fought. He did. And I mean, that's one of those things like you just got the rod end of the stick because he yeah. was he was there. Yeah. And, and the I'm same thing you. happened to me. Like I had Wiggins over five and a half rebounds the other day. Golden State pulled them, didn't play the whole fourth quarter. Sometimes so that happens. Dude. It was one of those things as a fan. I'm sitting here pumped that we're destroying them. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, he make like a 15 to two run, cut it to 16 to make these guys come back in and play another five to eight minutes, open the yeah. lead back up and then pull them. But they just, yeah, Pritch it, man. Well, Pritch you it. know what? Your team's looking good, you know, and cherish it because you know what? That run that the, um, Bucks had last year. That was unbelievable, dude. Yeah, I, it's you know, fun. So it's- you know, enjoy it. But we're here to talk NASCAR. Yes. Um. So before we dive into the race, the bets, what we're thinking and everything, Brandon, why don't you speak to how this race is different? Because it is the all-star race. So you have people that are already locked in. And then you have people that aren't locked in. So there will be an open race before the all-star race, I believe, at 530 Sunday. Um, winner of each stage, there's three stages in the open, transfer to the main event. So please choose wisely when you are making your bets. 
because if you do see a name that's not already locked in, you might be placed on a bet on a driver that doesn't even make the final race. You can touch the open if you want. It's kind of fun if you want to sprinkle it here and there on just a long shot, which is fine. But the main event format, there's four total stages. Stage one, 25 laps. Um, stage one winner starts on the pole in the final stage. As long as he finishes 15th or better in stage two and three. So unlike previous all-star races where a guy will win a stage and start on the pole and barely race the next couple stages, he has to finish in the top 15. Stage two, 25 laps. Winner stage two, same thing for winner stage one, has to finish 15th or better in stage three. And then the uh, final or third stage, 25 laps, stage three winner will start third. The final stage is 50 laps. We already know stage one, two, and three winners go in and start that way. Um, There will be a competition caution between lap 15 and 25 of the final stage. NASCAR will call that the all-star competition caution. Each team must pit and perform a four-tire pit stop. The team with the shortest time on pit road wins the pit crew award, and that driver will start fourth in the final stage. So there will be one driver that does not win the first three stages that will start fourth in the final state or in the, yeah, in the final stage based off the fastest pit stop. Now, so how many people are locked in to the all-star race? I believe it is 25. Right. Cause some stuff, what I'm realizing is in, as, as that wild Turkey is burning my mouth, um, 20, by the way. 20 people are locked in right now. Three now, do, will come Do you have a list of drivers that are? Because I'm trying to find that, and I can't find that. Uh, yeah, I've, I have it on Bovada. It, I, I can run through all 20, but, I mean, Larson, Bush, both Bushes, Elliott, Byron, Blaney, Hamlin, Chastain, Truex, Bowman, Bell, Logano, Harvick, Briscoe, Sendrick, Almirola, Keselowski, Wallace, Almendinger, McDowell. Because that's where you have to be careful because on bet online, they basically have everyone listed. So obviously you don't want to bet on someone that that's not in the field. And check Um, in your book too, because your book may allow you to bet it and it be one of those no action bets if they don't make it. Now, did you say Truex, not Truex, because is in the field? Yes. This is my strategy going up. We're going to pull up our book at our lovely friends on bet online. Um, I have two play, two guys that I'm looking to bet and one two guys I'm looking to fade in the field. Uh, my bet one, you know, I'm going with Kyle Busch. Yes, I know he's plus 750 here, but all-star races come down to pit crews in my eyes. He has the best, one of the best pit crews, one of the best crew chiefs there is. Um, average finish of six, last six races, one win, and he's led – out of all the laps, 12.3% of the laps. So he really kind of plays into what he's good at this track. So I think at plus 750, I think too many people are looking to the other Kyle. So I like Kyle Bush at plus uh, 750. That's a good pick. Something we touched on before. Anytime you can grab a Truex, Elliott, or Hanlon, I am not betting on all three. Anytime you can grab a, a driver of that caliber, at 11 to 12 to one, this would be a great race to do it. 
So I definitely look into grabbing either Truex, Elliott, or Hamlin, your choice. Um, my guy that I'm going to start with at 12 to 1 is Christopher Bell. He's shown a lot of speed recently. His pit crew has been very, very fast. Um, I think he would have won last week. We did have him on our card, but he got the flat tire, which we'll talk about on another segment, but the amount of flat tires is an embarrassment to Goodyear last week. But um, Christopher Bell is going to be my my choice going into uh, Texas All-Star Race. Christopher Bell is my second guy. Great minds think alike. Um how this track plays, it kind of comes down to where you are on pit roll. And you look at consistency. He's been insanely consistent in terms of yeah. qualifying. So I, I love him here. You know, you're getting a great price at 12 to 1. So I, I'm totally on that. But I did want you to speak on this. You noticed this. Old Uncle Kevin sitting at 40 to 1. Speak to us about old Uncle, Ke- Uncle the, Kev. The closer himself. At 40 to one, I've never seen this man's odds this high and it's an all-star race. So they're going to throw everything out the window. I mean, think about it. The winning driver gets a million dollars. It is split amongst the crew members too. So if anybody's going to show up, I like the closer Harvick at 40 to one as my next lock. Um, And just speaking to his race history, five races, one win, three top fives, four top tens, five top twenties, best finish one, Worst finish, 16th. Yeah. I mean, dude, just running great at this track. And you mentioned it. It's a million bucks. You know, that I, I like this. You know what? I'm going to add Harvick. So my three guys are going to be Kyle Bush at plus 750, Bell at plus 1,200, and old Uncle Kev at f- plus 4,000. Is there anyone else you're looking to lock in? Yeah, my official third, like I said, I'm going to touch Truex Chase, one of the, one of those guys, just to have something on them. Um, but my third lock is going to be Tyler Reddick. If there's going to be a guy that's just going to show up with speed and go the balls to the wall and not care who's around him or what's going to happen, it's going to be Reddick. I also would stay away from Logano and Byron because if there is going to be payback at a track where there are no consequences after, it would be the all-star race where points aren't even involved. Now you look at Reddick, three races, one top five, two top tens, three top twenties, best finish two, set worst finish fifteen. So he does fit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he, does. he has the third since 2019. He has the third best finishes up on the board. So I really like that. I totally agree with you with Blaney and um and Logano, Logano. and Byron and Byron. Excuse me. Um, one guy. Now they don't have any head to heads up yet, which is a little unfortunate because I love betting those head to heads. Two guys I am looking to fade in the head-to-heads. Obviously, you know, we've spoke at great length about this, how much Kozlowski has struggled this year. You know, too much shit going on, excuse my language. Trying to run a, a car, trying to be an owner. You look at this, five races, one top five, three top 15s, three top 20s. One did not finish. I mean, best finish four. Worst finish 39th. He just hasn't historically ran well on this track. No, and I I can't speak to it just from the sim, but there's been weeks where I haven't touched that simulator or ran any laps on it and then got into a big race, and it just doesn't work. And he's not putting the time into the car that he needs to. He's too focused on other things right now. 
And then the other driver, and I, I say every week, don't give, I, I like Bubba. You know, I have nothing against Bubba, but I like winning money. And you look at this, Bubba, since 2019, he's ran at this track five times, one top 20, best finish 14th, worst finish 38th. And he has two out of those five races, he didn't even finish. So, yeah. I mean, this is another one of the tracks that Bubba doesn't do well at. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking to fade Bubba. So I'm looking to fade Bubba, fade, fade Kozlowski in those head-to-heads. Um, looking to lock in Uncle Kevin at 40-1, to 1, Bell at 12-1, to 1, and Kyle at plus, Kyle Bush at plus 750. And if you guys want to lock in Harvick at 40-1, to 1, you better lock him in before qualifying. Period. Yeah, exactly. Because that those odds are not going to stay like that. So please go to bet online as soon as possible. And yeah, lock that 40 to one in. He's obviously mispriced here in the market. Um, yep. Now, for those who don't know, uh, Saturday, Sunday morning, I think it comes out. We tape it Saturday night. It's going to come out Sunday morning. Uh, we will have a NASCAR and a Formula One combo that comes out on a BTV. Brandon, myself, Beho will all be on that. Just a little banner. We're, we're in the midst of kind of messaging drivers, trying to get some drivers to come on and kind of shoot the shit with us and talk. So we're, you know, we got some stuff happening. It's always good moving forward. And it's nice. Like we want to, Brandon, I want to thank you guys. You know, we put in some work on this. You know, you guys obviously watch, listen, follow our bets. We wouldn't have gotten this opportunity if it wasn't for you guys. So Brandon and I thank you. I will you be know. live at the track next week. So when we do this, I will be live at Charlotte Motor Speedway. If any of you guys are at the track, DM us, jump on here with us live. Maybe make your own pick while I'm there. Yeah. Um, anything. So we'll be live from there. And I'm hoping to be able to, even if it's an Xfinity driver, maybe grab somebody to join us as well Friday or Saturday night. I, I hope it's Logano so you guys can just fight. Uh, I can't. I, I'm telling you. When he sees me next week and it's happened for 15 years now. Just it, not there. Just not. Yeah. He's, yeah, no. he, I hope I see him because it's been like a running joke with everybody that canceled us. They're like, oh my God, he doesn't like you. I was like, no, he doesn't. I don't like him. Brandon, thanks for coming on, man. You know, you got a million things going on. I appreciate it. Of course. Uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? Boston Boy 83, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram. All right, guys, make sure you give Brandon a follow. Until next week, my friend. I'd like to thank Brandon for coming on. Guys, make sure you're giving Brandon a follow at bostonboy83 on instagram and on twitter also thanks for tuning in for this week's podcast like subscribe give your boy a follow youtube tiktok twitter instagram everything just give me a follow greatly appreciate like subscribe to this podcast until next week boys and girls